This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jackie Robinson, the amazing baseball player. He broke the race barrier in Major League Baseball. A total hero, a civil rights icon, and very appropriately, his uniform. You can find it at the Smithsonian. Totally awesome. Uh, What about Rosa Parks? Remember, she refused to get up and sit in the back of the bus. Good for her. Another civil rights icon. The actual bus where she refused to get up, it's on display at the Henry Ford Museum in Michigan. I got to see that someday. And now this is the latest civil rights icon. A folding chair. A folding chair. Well, it's, it's famous now, the folding chair. I was wondering, is it because some civil rights leader sat down in one and did something special or stood up in one and made a speech? No, because at that Montgomery brawl, somebody used a chair as a weapon against a white woman. You see that? Wow. I mean, that would disturb anybody, anybody. The cops arrested the guy right away. At least they tried to. So the chair in our warped society, somehow that was seen as a good thing. And people on the Internet are saying the chair should be on display, say, in a museum or a great big mural somewhere with other. Oh, yeah, it could be a weapon used by Police, right? Use the chair to break down the door. Martin Luther King, he had a chair, a folding chair. Or Colin Kaepernick. You see Colin Kaepernick? They're all using, yeah, some very famous black people right now using a chair to attack a a white woman. It's all part of what seems to be a black supremacy movement. I hate the idea of white supremacy. It is disgusting and outrageous. It's also totally overblown and exaggerated as far as it being a threat to America. There are a couple of weirdos out in the woods, and if they ever break the law, they should be arrested. But black supremacy? This is something uh, America is living with every day. The chair, the chairman, right, who hit the person in the, in the head? You know how the New York Times reported that? When they did the first big report about this, a fourth man, Reggie Gray, was wanted for questioning by the police after videos showed him wielding a folding chair during the incident. Wielding a folding chair. They felt uncomfortable with the fact that he used the chair to attack a white woman in the head. And oh, by the way, that white woman, just before they gave her the chair, they gave her the kick. Actually, dozens of kicks. She gets knocked down and watch as... uh, Two women who happen to be black and the victim there is white. And tell me, I I think that this is relevant somehow. Uh, Right? No. The mainstream media just wants to tell a simple, stupid story 
a simple story that they can follow, that's safe for them, that they feel comfortable with. That all the black people are good and all the white people are bad. Life is more complicated, a lot more complicated than these idiots want us to know. This is a cultural moment uh, and a significant cultural moment where we're all having a, a good time. It wasn't long before black onlookers came rushing to the co-captain's defense from seemingly everywhere, like he'd thrown up a bat signal to the ancestors, maybe Harriet Tubman herself. The Montgomery brawl, the Alabama dock wallop, and the Alabama sweet tea party. An anthem has been written about it, art is being made, and there are odes to the folding chair inventor, Nathaniel Alexander, who was a black man. See what I mean? I'm bringing this up again because there are dangerous people out there who have not been arrested and are likely to do it again. And this whole stupid thing is encouraging other people to pick up a chair and just hit somebody you don't like. Now, some folks have been arrested, right? And I do think that they that these are genuine arrests. These folks looks to me like they at least two of them broke the law. What are they charged with? Assault. All right. You saw the early you saw the first part of that video. It was bad. It was bad. Was it racially motivated? There is actually, as far as I can see, no proof of that. Now, they arrested the man. It looked like who hit the lady with the chair. Take a look at this right after he hits. There are two cops who spring into action right away. I mean, how can you not see that and see that it's a crime? And the cops are great. This guy's struggling. They stay with it. Uh, they put him on the ground. He's resisting arrest, but they get the cuffs on him. And then something very strange happens. Apparently, they let him go because the name is Reggie Ray. Uh, he was asked to turn himself in. The word went out that they were looking for Reggie Ray for questioning. And yes, he turned himself in. So they let him go, it looks like. Later, he turned himself in a few days later. And what is he charged with? Not assault, but disorderly conduct. Disorderly conduct for hitting that lady in the brain. That doesn't seem fair, does it? It's not fair. And we all saw it. Now I want you to show somebody else that needs to be arrested and charged. This individual with the hair. Now, quite frankly, I can't tell the gender of the individual. But... What this person did, and for everybody in the world to either not see it purposely or accidentally or ignore it, whatever, is a crime. And he committed the crime. Watch this. Now, we turned the volume off, and you saw this part of the fight, right? Which was part of the overreaction, I think. And you see this lady. She just comes upon it. This is after the boat captain already got attacked. This is after that. She's new to the scene. She sees a fight. The good woman tries to break it up and watch what happens to her. There she goes. She's immediately grabbed by two individuals and they start punching, kicking, pulling her hair and they throw her in the water. Isn't that something? And the media says that this is a, a beautiful moment that should be commemorated in, in museums. Can I see those kicks and that hair pull, a close-up? Who are these people? How are they not part of the story? This is, this is important. And the blonde-haired guy, all right, get a good look at him because he strikes again. Uh, a few moments later, when they kick uh, the, uh, the red-dressed lady on the ground, 
Uh, he drops by to get a few more punches in. Watch. There he is again. Okay. Got hit in the head with the chair, and he goes in. See? He punches a few more times. Or she. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> so this is a beautiful thing. Well, according to basically everybody, including conservative media, which allowed itself to be duped on this one, this is a beautiful thing. The Associated Press, their definitive write-up on this. Many see the August 5th ordeal on the riverfront dock in Montgomery as a long-awaited answer to countless calls for help that went unanswered for past black victims of violence and mob attacks. Hmm. Next, please. For Montgomery to have this moment, we needed to see a win. We needed to see our community coming together, and we needed to see justice. That's not justice. I'm sorry. You know, violence is bad no matter who's perpetrating it. And... You know, black supremacy, is that what I call it? I don't like white supremacy. I don't like black supremacy. And black supremacy seems to be very, very fashionable. The New York Times, when did we all decide that we're going to lowercase the W in white and capitalize the B in black? And this happened about 10 seconds ago, all right? Not very recently. There wasn't a full national conversation about that. You can get in trouble if you don't capitalize the B. What about capitalize? I mean... That is supremacy of black over white, right? I mean, it's right. It's black and white. It's, it's right there. Meanwhile, a blonde-headed maniac uh, who thinks it's okay to punch people and pull their hair and then throw them in the water, that's somehow okay. This kind of messaging, these kinds of episodes that are glorified, it's a poison. And it's infecting the entire country. And it has been for a long time. I want to show you a police officer in Connecticut. This happened this week, Detective Carly Travis. She almost was killed this week by a madman with a hammer who I think it's, I think it's reasonable to ponder. Is this individual motivated by the crazy stuff they're seeing on MSNBC, CNN, and even Fox News? Take a look at him. He's coming right at the cop after he was warned to stop with a hammer in his hand. You know, when did they ever think, when did any person ever think that it's a good idea to run up to a cop with a weapon and not stop, hmm? It seems like the messaging out there says cops are bad, right? And they have no authority. They're a vestige of the slave patrol. You've heard that. Watch what happened. Can you put that down, please? What? Can you put that down, please? No. Call your f***ing up, come up hot. Stop! 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 Sorry, that was tough to watch. Um, the guy is injured, but alive. She was injured, minor injury. She's okay. Fired her weapon. Um, this is bad for law enforcement. It's also bad for people who sit around and receive this stuff, this messaging that somehow cops and, well, white people are systemically just bad. I mean, isn't that the portrayal we're kind of bombarded with every single moment of every single day almost? Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male 
mass murderer. The suspect is believed to be 18 to 20, a white male. Police identified the alleged shooter as a 15-year-old white male. The suspect in custody is white. Police say a 28-year-old white male carrying two handguns crashed a stolen truck into a building. It's humanizing the shooter once again. And can I point out that the shooter is a white man who is alive after they knew that he had killed eight people. Yeah, Gail was pretty upset that the cops did not kill uh, the white suspect. You know, just do it like they did in the West or something like that. Just uh, the sheriff shows up and kills the guy. What's that all about? And uh, all right, so you can see the demonization. I mean, white, just white. There's an edge in their voice when they say white. Anchors of all colors. And then the myth and the phantom that is white supremacy. Resurfacing of white supremacy has been just an extraordinary phenomenon in the past few years. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. We are living in a nation that is actually full of racism and white supremacy. All right. They are lying. They're lying. That's not true. Where are the arrests of the white supremacists? Where where is that happening? Where are they? And I I can't stand them. And if they do uh, any violence, arrest them. Where is that actually happening? But you talk about it like this and um, something happens and it's almost like a field day on on white individuals. Right. What did I hear there? This was uh, in retribution for all the things that happened in the past. Right. That's not right. Uh, We are providing a false, weird motivation for people who would do violence. That guy with the hammer. I am really interested to know what his media diet has been like, say, since the summer of George Floyd. It's fascinating what gets highlighted by the media and what gets ignored. It all has to do with race, especially when it comes to violent crime. If the victim is white and the perpetrator is black, that is not going to be mentioned. And for whatever reason, that seems to predominate. And actually, statistics suggest that black on white crime is much more prevalent than white on black crime. You can look it up. I don't like white supremacy. I don't like black supremacy anymore. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. Joe Biden. That's Joe Biden, right? Wrong. (laughs) Uh, That's Robert L. Peters. Robert L. Peters is the fake name he gave himself while he was vice president of the United States, conducting all kinds of business, it looks like, overseas and in conjunction with his son on company time, on American time. This is an official email uh, preparation that his national security staff was doing for him prior to a call with the president of Ukraine. And yeah, (laughs) CC'd is Hunter. And look at the top, Peters, Robert L., That apparently was the pseudonym for, and it wasn't just that one. He also used the name Robin Ware for personal communication with his beautiful boy, Hunter. Really laid it on thick, my beautiful son. Uh, He was 
42 years old. It's nice, but it's, I don't know. Uh, and remember this moment from the debate. I don't make money from China. You do. That head move, that head move. He thought, look at this. Wow, he caught me. What was he thinking when his head went back like that? How did you figure that out? Well, uh, we all know now that he was not telling the truth when Biden replied this way. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had, a, the only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Uh, wrong. <laughs> Even Hunter Biden's lawyers have admitted that as part of that joint Chinese venture, Hunter received his portion of good faith seed funds. That's from Hunter Biden's own attorney. And what did they do with that money? For some bizarre reason, he shared it with uh, his uncle and his uh, ex-wife and his present wife and his girlfriend. And oh, it's just a insane situation. Now, thanks to the House Oversight Committee, we we know a lot now. Uh, let's see from China. How much money? At least three million dollars transferred to the Biden family or Biden family associates from Romania. One million dollars at least from Ukraine. $17 million. We're talking, this is very, very serious money. And so much of this information is thanks to the House Oversight Committee, which is chaired by Congressman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky. Sir, welcome back. How are you tonight? I'm well, thank you. You bet. Now, uh, Robert L. Peterson, <laughs> I, uh, I, I wonder why he chose that name. Are we wrong here? I know you're, you're looking for more stuff from the National Archives, but what do you know about Robert L. Peterson? Well, we know that it was a fake name he used, and how ironic is that, that the Biden family we've unveiled had 20 fake shell companies that they used to launder money from uh, our adversaries around the world. So why not use a fake name while you're vice president? to disguise the fact that you're coordinating with your son, who, by the way, you said you had a wall between uh, the, the government side and the, and the business side of uh, Hunter Biden. But uh, this whole thing's a joke, and it's all coming unraveled. It's taken a while to figure out, but we've been following the money. Uh, we followed emails, we followed text messages, and we figured out that he was using a fake name uh, pertaining to his preparation to go to Ukraine to fire the prosecutor. And remember, we've seen on tape where Joe Biden said, well, son of a bee, they fired the prosecutor. That's what this was all about. Uh, why was he using a fake name? And why in the world was the government CCing his son to let him know about uh, all the preparation for Ukraine? So uh, you've reached out to the archives, I believe. We have some of those emails. You just saw them. We got them from the Marco mm -hmm. Polo Project, which we trust. Uh, They've been very good on this stuff. You think there's have. a lot more out there, and it doesn't seem, I don't sense that the archives are going to be very cooperative. Well, we'll see about the archives, but yes, there are more out there, and we believe there are some archives that are public, but they've been redacted. Uh, so much of the information I get from the government is redacted. Uh, we believe that there are some emails that would fit this pattern that have redactions. So we've asked the National Archives to give us the unredacted version so that uh, we can use this in our investigation to determine whether or not this president is compromised. And I think that most of us know the answer to that. But for the mainstream media, we need more evidence. So uh, uh, every day we produce more evidence. And this is another example. So the National Archives is the entity that uh, our committee, the Oversight Committee, has jurisdiction over that that's supposed to be in charge of these records. Uh, they've been in the news a lot because uh, both 
President Trump and President Biden both been accused of mishandling classified documents. That's through the National Archives. So we want to see if the National Archives is, is truly a fair entity. They know about this investigation. They know the severity of the investigation. They know that the vice president has been accused of taking a bribe. They know there's mounting evidence that the family has received millions and millions of dollars from our adversaries around the world. Now there's emails with the, that the vice president's office was using to disguise that they were being sent to Joe Biden in a fake name and copying his son, who wasn't a, an employee of the government. We hear the Democrats say all the time, well, Hunter Biden wasn't in office. Hunter Biden didn't work for the government. Well, why was Hunter Biden getting copied on emails about Ukraine policy when he was a director of a corrupt energy company in Ukraine? Yeah, let's look at that email again, if we could, from the introduction. We had the email itself to the boss, which is Joe Biden, back when he was vice president. And we see that Hunter is CC'd. You know, I keep hearing from the fake news, uh, there is no smoking gun, no smoking gun tying any of this to to uh, Joe Biden. I think that might be <laughs> that might be the smoking gun or I mean, it's. It may not be a high caliber weapon, but that's a weapon right there. This is this is dynamite. And it obviously they denied it. But this is do you agree? Yeah, this is this is obviously tying Joe Biden in on this scandal. And we're going to see the real quid pro quo in Ukraine. Was not Donald Trump calling Zelensky asking about corruption? It was Joe Biden actually going to Ukraine on Air Force Two dangling foreign aid in front of the, the then president of Ukraine, demanding that he fire a prosecutor that was investigating his son's energy company that was uh, clearly engaged in corruption in Ukraine. And then the president, then Vice President Biden accomplished that, probably the only thing he's ever accomplished from a foreign policy standpoint, and then does an interview and brags about it. All the evidence is here. Uh, so we're going to continue to press for more information. We believe there's more evidence that's been redacted by the National Archives, and we're calling on them to unredact that and, and present them to the House Oversight Committee. You know, more money, billions of dollars are going to Ukraine. Um, kind of, it's almost automatic now. I know there's a lot of support for that in the government, but some of us are kind of skeptical at this point, and it's just I'm like... I'm skeptical, too. Yeah, right? I'm skeptical, too. And, 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 you know, not only do we not have a good idea of where all that money's going... The more that I uncover with respect to corruption with Joe Biden in Ukraine, the worse it sounds that Joe Biden continues to request from Congress billions and billions of dollars more to send to Ukraine. I mean, this whole thing stinks. The vice president and the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, has lied for years about his involvement in Ukraine. And here we are sending more and more money to Ukraine. Uh, it just looks really bad. And, and the president is going to have to come clean about what Ali did with respect to corruption and, and bribery in, in Ukraine. Finally, real quick, the uh, the media coverage, um, you know, I feel like mainstream media, dominant media, they have ignored it or they've minimized it and they've made excuses. Every now and then they'll write a biting piece. But, you know, it's they're mm -hmm. uh, they're they're living in denial uh, as far as I can see. I'd love for that to change. We're going to keep producing more evidence. I, I'm not worried because I know that there's going to come a time when they're going to have to talk about it. They keep moving the goalposts. Uh, the last excuse was that, well, you've never tied Joe into any of this. Well, this email today is pretty, pretty darn explosive with respect to Joe Biden using a fake name and copying his son about a trip he was going to take to fire a prosecutor investigating his son for corruption. So 
Uh, I think the evidence is overwhelming, and the mainstream media can continue to not talk about it, but the American people are keeping up with this, and that's one reason Joe Biden uh, continues to lose the confidence of everyday Americans. As we say goodbye, uh, Congressman, if I can see that email one more time, this really, this is something. This really is something. Prepping for the call with Poroshenko. Robert L. Peters is the vice president, C.C. Hunter Biden. He's going he's gonna to be potentially on that phone call. Very quickly, do we know if Hunter may have been on that phone call? We don't know yet, but we know some people that we're going to probably be bringing in very soon, and they're going to have a lot of time to think about whether or not they're going to tell us the truth. So uh, we'll find out a lot of things in the very near future. Congressman Comer, many thanks. Good luck to the committee, and uh, we'll be in touch. We'll be right back. Thank you. Melania Trump, from a small Slovenian town to the White House. Follow her journey and how she first met the Donald. Watch Melania Trump, a very beautiful first lady, this weekend on Newsmax TV. Well, September 11, 2001, nearly 3,000 people were murdered and the world changed forever. You've heard of Osama bin Laden, but a lot of people have forgotten about Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Here he was when he was captured in early 2003 uh, by, I believe, U.S. forces in Pakistan. Uh, this was the operational mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. He arranged for uh, the flight training for these um, hijackers, the funding, uh, the coordination. He was the point man for all of it. Um, as far as I know, he's been in Guantanamo Bay for most of the past 20 years. And well, this little nugget of news was sent to the families of those who lost loved ones on 9-11. Uh, the office of the chief prosecutor has been negotiating and is considering entering into a pretrial agreement with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. It is possible that an agreement in this case would remove the possibility of the death penalty, which a lot of folks kind of assumed was almost automatic in a case like this. Brett Eagleson joins us. He is the president of 911justice.org, and he lost his father, Bruce, in the September 11th attacks when Brett was just 15 years old. There's a there's a baby picture, and um, I think we have another one. Yeah, there you guys are on the beach. Brad Eagleson, welcome back to Newsmax. How are you? Um, I, I've been better, um, but but appreciate you having me and allowing us to speak tonight about this issue. Of course. Very, very issue. Well, number one, uh, it's a little unclear as to why they want to remove this as an option, that they want to take the death penalty off the table. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. This has absolutely nothing to do with life in prison versus the death penalty. This is a distraction. That issue is a distraction. They do not want, our U.S. government does not want KSM to stand trial. They do not want to hear what he has to say. His lawyers in Guantanamo have evidence that the government was, was provided to his lawyers that our attorneys do not have. The United States government and the feckless losers at the DOJ and the FBI do not want KSM talking. So they're rushing this deal so they could have KSM be put in jail for life without a fair trial. And if we do not get a trial in this case, the 9-11 community will be in an uprising. 
We've waited 22 years for a trial. We deserve to know what he has to say. This is America. America is founded upon the principles of justice. If we do not get a trial, justice in America is dead. So you think that the taking the death penalty off the table incentivizes him to plead guilty to whatever and no trial, right? That's, your, that, that's, that's what's going on here. Right. This is further cover up by the United States government for the Saudi role in 9-11 and for the United States intelligence failures. KSM will go to trial and he will spill the beans on everything he knows about what the U.S. government knew and about what Saudi Arabia did. And they do not want him talking. So in other words, this this whole issue of uh, uh, death penalty or not death penalty is really the side story that is made to be the distraction here. The real story, which I hope people recognize, is they do not want a trial. They want to continue the decades long cover up effort to keep him quiet. Um, real quick, and I guess this is part of the distraction, but let's say there is a trial. Let's say he's found guilty. You would want the death penalty. You know, that's I've been thinking about this a lot and I want to do whatever he doesn't want. So um, if he if he does not want to sit and rot his life away in jail, then put him in jail. But if he is actually enjoying jail and he, he feels that that, you know, he wants to live his life and read the Quran and books or whatever, then we should give him the death penalty. Right. So it's a really hard question to answer. But. I wish I, I wish I knew more information and I wish I knew what was actually going on in his head. What have they been doing with him for 20 years? Now, I know that they interrogated him. Uh, what do they call that? Enhanced interrogation or something like that. And uh, I know also, I believe that they actually got, you know, valuable intelligence from him. But 20 years is a long time. Uh, why no try? What's going on overall? Well, you know, he's been in Guantanamo. I think the United States government has made it a goal of, it, of, of itself to, to wrap 9-11 up. They, they, they don't want to keep Guantanamo open. They've been very clear about shutting it down. What they want to do is they want to take 9-11, put it in a box, wrap a bow around it, put it on a shelf, and never have to deal with us or it again. And they're doing that by closing down Guantanamo, they're repatriating some of these people in Guantanamo back to Saudi Arabia. They're flying them out under the cover of darkness without the families, the family's attorneys ever even having a chance to talk to them or depose them. And they're saying, oh, these are operational risks. We can't tell you when we're flying them out. They're going back to Saudi Arabia. They're granting them special comedy. Uh, you know, they're old and their family misses them. Well, I miss my dad. And, and, and I don't have that opportunity. I never got a chance to watch him grow old. And, and I think what the government here is doing, the Biden administration in particular, is unconscionable. President Biden declassified documents which show without a doubt the Saudi government was involved in 9-11 and he's done nothing to it. In fact, it, you know, I mean, the blame goes all around. President Trump, former President Trump is hosting them at his golf tournaments. But Biden declassifies these documents and does nothing with it. What does he do? He has his DOJ write a letter to the family members on the eve of 9-11 that they're going to let KSM walk. Brett, we got to uh, leave it there. Look, I will say this. Sure. Saudi Arabia, as you know, and we've talked about before, remains a strong ally of the United States. And we don't know. And you talked about the division of, um, you know, the division of labor over there in the government. It's a bit complex. We so appreciate your perspective, Brett Eagleson, and many m much. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry about the loss of your dad. Uh, please go to 911justice.org, 911justice.org.
fascinating information there. Very important. Brett, thank you. And we'll be right back. You know, folks, I thank God for my wonderful wife, my kids, my country, the greatest nation ever. And Americans like you who believe in the truth, The Chris Salcedo Show will never stop fighting for you. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. I make decisions in this office based on the facts and the law. Um, the law is completely nonpartisan. That's how decisions are made in every case. Amazing that she kept a straight face during that. Fannie Willis, the DA down there in Fulton County, I believe lying through her teeth. She is a total political animal indicting President Trump and those 18 or so other people who are, in my opinion, totally and completely innocent. What can we do about this? Well, our next guest is doing something about it. He's State Senator Colton Moore, Republican of Georgia, and he sent a letter to the governor of Georgia, Governor Kemp, and we got a big chunk of it right here, uh, Senator. An emergency exists in the affairs of the state requiring a special session to be convened to include, without limitation, the review and response to the actions of Fannie Willis, and it looks like an impeachment inquiry may be in the uh, offing here. Senator Colton Moore, welcome to Newsmax. Thanks for being here. Greg, thanks for having me. So the response so far, your letter, very pointed. You're talking about impeachment. Where does it, where do things stand? Well, I tell you what, citizens of Georgia could not be more excited. You see, their tax dollars are being used to fund this district attorney. And what is she doing with it? Complete political persecution. Charges so extreme that if they're found guilty, Georgia could give them the lethal injection and execute them. I mean, what a time to be alive. Wait a second. Wait a second. Execution? I mean, technically speaking, they're eligible for execution? Yes. That, that's the craziness that we live in right now. I mean, these, these gentlemen and ladies were exercising their First Amendment rights. Remember, it took 19 days to certify the elections in Georgia. They were using their First Amendment rights to inquire into the nature of this. What, you know, is, do we really have election integrity? And then she charges them with false statements and caps it all with RICO charges. And because of those RICO charges, the death penalty could be the punishment. Oh, wait. Oh, no kidding. I mean, I've never heard of anybody dying for not killing somebody being executed. Look, I'm totally with you. I think this is. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, she definitely breached public trust here. And it's theoretical. It's just theoretical. Theoretically speaking, no one's going to be executed here, hopefully. Uh, all right. Well, so we never so, thought they would be prosecuted. Right. You got that right. You got that right. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Tell us a little bit about the lay of the land. The people are upset, but you got Governor Kemp there who has been known to, uh, you know, speak out of both sides of his mouth and play games here. What do you think he's going to do? Is he going to facilitate uh, a possible impeachment of this woman? Well, it's not going to be left up to him because we as a legislature, we have the power. We have the power to defund this district attorney. We also have the power to investigate this district attorney. And if it finds out that she's doing corrupt acts, we have the power to impeach her. You know, most importantly, first and foremost, we've got to defund this district attorney. And unfortunately, Republicans are just asleep at the wheel. Let me ask you about Brad Raffensperger for a moment. Um, I feel like he was I caught him in a couple of lies, quite frankly, in his book and elsewhere. Um, what are your thoughts on him and his role in all of this? 
Well, I mean, the, where does the blame lie? You know, the uh, consent order, the the counting of the votes and not not recognizing. I mean, I had constituents in my district during the 2020 election who were coming to me with proof that their relatives who had passed away were voting in the election. But yet all they say is, oh, there was only a couple dead voters. Right. It took 19 days to certify the election. Anybody with any sense at all should question the election and the integrity of that election. And that's all of these 18 people plus Donald Trump were doing, and now they're being treated as political prisoners. That's why I'm taking action and encourage any other Georgian to do the same. Uh, very impressive, Senator uh, Colton Moore. By the way, you got into politics uh, at a young age, and you're still very young. You first were elected how old? I was 24. I'm pretty sure that was the same age uh, as Thomas Jefferson when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. And my understanding is you're not yet 30? Not yet 30. No, I'm only 29 years old, Greg, and I don't want to spend the rest of my life living in a state where we have a Gestapo district attorney. You know, I was talking to my mom after these indictments, and I said, I'm sick of the Facebook posts. I'm sick of the Twitter. It's time to take action. And she she became concerned. I, she was worried about me taking action. And I said, Mom, this is the reason why I have to go take action, because no red-blooded American should live in fear about speaking out against political persecution like this. Excellent. Excellent. Very quickly, what can we do? I don't hold office. I mean, you know, I'm doing my thing, but what can people yeah. do out there? What can people do? Uh, well, to help me in my fight, you can certainly go to my website, coltonmore.com, C-O-L-T-O-N-M-O-O-R-E.com. You know, if you live in Georgia, pick up your cell phone, call your state representative, call your senator and say, I demand you take action. Stop with the Facebook post. Call for the special session. We need to investigate. We need to defund this district attorney ASAP. It's interesting. A lot of politicians out there, yeah, they put something online. They think their work is done. Uh, it takes follow-up and follow-through. Yeah, Chase, we, have a, we have a job to do. That's our job as a legislature. Keep it up, sir. Many, many Thank thanks. You, State Senator Colton Moore to be continued, and we'll be right back. <music> Donald Trump receiving a civil rights award with uh, Rosa Parks, that's Rosa Parks and Muhammad Ali. We were talking about Rosa Parks in the bus a little while ago. Imagine that, you get a, a civil rights award with Rosa Parks and somehow they can call you a, a racist. Donald Trump is under total fire right now, right? It's getting it from, from all sides. They want to deprive him of his freedom and I think he has every right to defend himself um, in court. Hopefully it doesn't come to that. And certainly on social media, you know, they're trying to say you can't say this, you can't say that. You can say this, though. There will be a complete exoneration. They never went after those that rigged the election. They only went after those that fought to find the riggers, those who rigged the election. He thinks the election was rigged. I have concerns about the fairness of the election. They interpreted that as a racist comment. Al Sharpton, everybody. Donald Trump himself, their leader, using the term rigors, 
which uh, clearly yep. ra- uh, rhymes with the N-word. I mean, this is not exactly. 10 years ago or 30 years ago. I'm talking about he, in, within the last 24 hours, used the term riggers. Is this the kind of party the Republicans want to show the country that they are? We need a two-party system, but we don't need one that prides yes, itself in bigotry. All right. Um, one who rigs is a rigger. There are a lot of words that would rhyme with that horrible word. We can't say bigger either. Uh, I think that's totally unreasonable by Reverend Al. Then again, Reverend Al is totally unreasonable. Um, sometimes he's not. Uh, with Donald Trump, actually, all the way back in the, uh, this is in the 90s, but they were associating all the way back in the 80s. Uh, arguably, Donald Trump should not have been hanging out with Al Sharpton because, well, this is the real Al Sharpton. I believe it off from the pigs. Well, they got pigs out here. You ain't off one of them. <laughs> what I believe in, I do. Do what you believe in. Right. Or shut up and admit you've lost your courage and your guts to stand up. I would love to use love, but if I've got to use hate, I'll deal with my hand calls for it. Yeah, this guy is uh, a racist through and through, Al Sharpton. And uh, I think all will be exposed in the end. Donald Trump's going to win this thing somehow. I don't know how, but somehow. All right. I want to show you something that I noticed recently. It's Joe Biden when he took the oath of office for vice president all the way back on January 20th of 2009. He takes the oath of office. Here's a portion of it. Take this obligation freely. That I take this obligation freely. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. Without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And I will well and faithfully discharge. Did you hear that? A slight hesitation before well and faithfully discharged. Right? One more time. And that I will well and faithfully discharge. And I will well and faithfully discharge. For some reason, I think it's, wow, am I really going to well and faithfully discharge? I think he had plans to make money. I mean, anybody, any vice president who changes their name while they're vice president and includes his son on sensitive emails concerning countries where that son is doing all kinds of business What was Joe Biden's name again? Yeah, Peterson. Peters. Robert L. Peters. That is not well and faithfully discharging the office of the then vice presidency. And I think that's why he hesitated. The schemes. He was already working on them. We'll be right back. I switched. I switched. I switched. I switched to Newsmax. 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 Have you made the switch? You bet I did. My whole family switched. Millions are switching to Newsmax. You should too. So F-16s, the United States has just approved sending F-16s to Ukraine. Our NATO partners, Denmark and Netherlands will be uh, sending their American made F-16s to Ukraine. So remember, uh, well, they don't need the tanks, and then they get the tanks. So they don't need F-16s, and now they're getting the F-16s. This thing is escalating, escalating, escalating. More and more expensive, huh? No one's talking about peace, except President Trump. I'll be off tomorrow, so I'll see you next week. Many thanks. Thanks for your support. 
We'll see you later.